broadcasting to you live from the Badlands of Texas. I am Jerry Adams, and we have one hell of a show for you today. The name of the show is Midnight Radio. Whether you're watching us live, watching the video, watching it later at a later date, or perhaps you're just listening to us on the audio stream, you've come to the right place. The place for wild-ass speculations, wild-ass theories, tame-ass theories, old-ass theories, and even the occasional dumb-ass theory, but not tonight. Well, I can't say that. I don't know what the phone line is going to bring in, which will open up in the second half. There's always room for a dumbass theory. I love it. I love it. I don't care what it is. All opinions are welcome. I will listen to you. I won't disrespect you, and I expect the same from you. That is the rules of the show. Let's continue, shall we? I saw some people, one person in particular, said they don't care for the thumbnail much. Well, I don't either. I don't either. Thank YouTube, not me. Um, Somebody's... I was talking about the YouTube algorithm recently and somebody said this is the change in the algorithm is just because of the IDO four case and they're just trying to weed the good creators from the bad creators because of all the, all the viewership that the Idaho four thing has brought. And that is, I, I don't know if I agree with that because I have a system that and I've played around with it, and it's pretty exact to exactly what the algorithm is. And what they want is the same thing Ashley Banfield, for example, gives you, which we're going to go over a little bit of that. But they're feeding right in the algorithm. They want the most sensational stuff, unba- unbacked up by any verifiable information, just straight uh, it's sh- it's shooting out of your ass like a freaking cannonball from a pirate ship across your port bow. That's what they want. That's what kind of speculations and with the craziest stuff. Anything that's reasonable, they block. That's not what we're going to have tonight. Wild stuff. I did find some wild stuff, though, but it's very true. Uh, there's one. I'm trying to remember her name. There's one person I'm trying to get on here. Um, I didn't find her involved until this mess until later which she was directly involved in it. Let me, let me read her name to you. Hold on. Uh, Sleuthy Goosey. I found her involved in this information that, you know, some of you guys were wondering who Ashley Banfield's um, sources are. I found one of them and she's crazier. uh, As they say in Texas, she's crazy as a, well, I'll leave that up to you to decide. I'll leave that to you to decide. I'm also going to go over not just one, but two places on Reddit I found for people that love Brian Kohlberger. Matter of fact, do you like like the artwork on the thumbnail? I'm glad you do because I sure as hell don't. That artwork came from the Brian Kohlberger, a.k.a. Cold Nothing Burger, appreciation websites. That's right. They're also putting money on his account in the jail. By lonely women, I guess. Lonely women. One's still active, and the other one I haven't seen anything from in about a month. So, we're going to go over that tonight. Um, Man, I've got just crazy Twilight Zone stuff, and this is all real information. But it's real, and it's right there. And there's other stuff that's not real, like the stuff I've heard about Anand Harsh, right? Saying that he's a suspect, too. I looked at that information. It's complete bullshit. It's just somebody speculating for views and um, put that, put a pin in that, stick it on the wall, see if it sticks. Come here, you know, halfway through Colberger's trial and guess what? No Anon anywhere because somebody was pulling all that information out of their sweet hiney hole. 
Talking about sweet hiney hole. Here is your girl, Ashley Banfield. There's some information coming out that she came out with. So right before I get to her sources and the website that has nothing but women that love Cole Berger, I'm going to play this information straight from Banfield today because you need to know where she stands right now. I think that's important. So let's play that right now, and we'll talk about uh, it on the flip side. I know somebody else who gets a little agita when it comes to this, um, and that's Mark Garagos. And the reason I know Mark Garagos gets agita with it is because he has a lot of high-profile cases in his past. He's here to help me break this all down. Of course you know him. He's a criminal defense attorney. He's the co-host of the podcast Reasonable Doubt with Adam Carolla. All right, let me set this up. Hell, I would never do a podcast with Adam Carolla, just saying. Much less if I was a legal professional, but uh, I don't know. Let me set this up for you. So for a week or two, perhaps three, Ashley has been talking about Xana Canoodle's mother and how she feels there's a conflict of interest with the between the attorney because she represented three members of a victim's family. And she's saying there's conflict of interest. The court... Well, she's going to tell you what the court... The court found no conflict of interest, and yet she still says there is. So let's play that. She just can't believe it. Hola. So, Garagos, I said there were two issues that I I found in this whole um, conflict when it came to Ann Taylor and the three parents. Number one was that they have to be okay with it, and clearly, Kara Kernodal is not. But then number two, they have to be notified. And that didn't happen either, at least in Kara Kernodal's case. So I want you to, I want to get you to. It didn't because she was on the run. She was literally a fugitive at the time with no home address. But uh, I guess that doesn't matter. Facts don't matter all the time. Weigh in on this news, Mark, that they've had this meeting. They've gone through this review process and no conflict the judges determined. What are your thoughts? Well, I, I sent you the other day, Ashley, a, a op-ed. Now, what do you think would happen if, I don't know, your guy right here behind the mic goes up on my show after a judge says something and badmouths it? Do you see other people doing that? I don't know. Maybe I might be befuddled and say I don't understand, but this just doesn't hit the right tone with me piece that somebody had done in which they had basically analyzed the ethical rule here without giving you any uh, credit whatsoever, by the way, and had said that there really was no ethical conflict. And uh, I couldn't actually disagree more with the analysis. Number one, I think you've pointed out one key thing, which is you can't do this absent a knowing waiver by the clients. Clients. And why do I say clients? Both the current client who was the young man who was accused of these horrific crimes and the parents of the uh, victims of these crimes um, now I the one part I will take issue with and you know that I agree with you on gag orders I always think gag orders have been inverted we talked about this the other night uh, originally this one gag orders were instituted in Shepherd we are going to go over gag orders tonight something very important as it relates to Ashley later became the feud the model for the fugitive but 
and uh, resources. They were originally to protect the defense. They've been it's been perverted. It now is something that harms the defense, in my opinion. But when the lawyer, Ann Taylor, goes into chambers in camera, meaning she and the judge talk privately, I understand that. I've done that many a times. I will tell you when I've done it um, in, in many murder cases, when a client wants to get on the stand and it may be against my advice, hypothetically, I might go into chambers with just the client and tell the judge this is against my advice, but it's their choice. Um, so I can understand that. You don't want to violate the attorney-client privilege or at least let the prosecutor here in this so like my I ears are being that. violated I don't understand is how there can be a knowing waiver by the the victim's parents because I just don't think that there is any way possible that there isn't going to be a discussion of that house the use of drugs and people going in and out. I just find that entirely too hard to believe. I don't know if the judge said, okay, if we get to that point, then we're going to do further hearings on this and we'll table it. And as of now, you don't plan on doing it. But to my mind, that is in play. And to your point, that is potentially, God forbid, from the young man's standpoint, he gets convicted and later says, I've got a 2255 writ of habeas corpus and my lawyer was ineffective because she didn't want to go there meaning the house and drug use and things of that nature aka ineffective assistance of counsel we hear it all the time it's like i would like to bring this out since people from the media like to bring it out all the time i'd like to know is ashley banfield over the judge all the professionals that are there and know all the information. Is she more important than them? Does she have a law degree? Has she been a practicing judge for years? Who is she to question, right? Is she an expert? I'm sorry. This one guy used to used to be in the law profession, but now he's on a podcast with Adam Carolla. Does being on a podcast with Adam Carolla make you a professional? like I don't know if it's the number one appellate issue but yeah if I had a dime I'd be on a yacht in Mayorka. yeah it's the number one I knew you'd say that okay here's the other thing it's another piece of breaking news yeah. yeah okay wait one sec because I'm going to get you to talk about this one um so the the sources that we have close to the prosecution have also told us that um the prosecutors in this case are actually in favor of having her conflicted out. And I, I suppose I get that because who wants to try a case twice? Who wants to do all that work and all those billable hours to the taxpayers of Idaho and then, you know, a couple of years down the pike after they might get a conviction, have it tossed out only to start all over again and put those families all through that again? Well, look, the, the cynic in me would say, of course they want her out. Right out of the ass and right into the wind. Did you see that? From the ass into the wind, like one of, one of those little, you know, one of those weeds that you blow on, you know. What kind of weed is that? Not the kind you smoke, although it seems like somebody's been smoking something. To file the motion to say that they want the waivers by the respective clients. There is a U.S. Supreme Court case. Um, 
I believe it's Wood, that specifically talks about what you have to do in a situation where there is a conflict. It has to be on the record. I don't know if that, and we don't know if that was done already in camera or ex parte. Remember, there's two different ways this could be done. It could be done in camera, which means the public doesn't listen to it. And it can be done ex parte, which means the prosecutor doesn't get to get in on this. Or it could be a hybrid of the two. But I would be shocked if the prosecutor Shots. hasn't at least filed the motion, maybe redacting uh, what they think or what they think they know. But I'm surprised that so far, and I haven't checked the docket, maybe it's been done that they haven't filed for this because the U.S. Although I do want to say this, I found this gentleman to be more informed than Coffin Daffer ever has been about anything. Supreme Court generally counsels that you do this. Thank you for watching. By the way, I looked up Coffin Daffer a little bit and she is apparently a firearm specialist in the FBI. So the things that she's talking about, yeah, a lot of experience in them, huh? Matter of fact, I got Coffin Daffer right here. I'm not going to play this whole thing or even that much of it. This is the last thing I'm going to play before I go into the meat and potatoes of Ashley Banfield's sources for some of these wild things she's saying and the things that she was saying. And um, then we're going to go into the the love fest, which is Brian Kohlberger's people that love him, the two groups that are involved in that. Some of them are actual sources for Ashley Banfield. Twilight Zone, here we go. Jennifer Koffendoffer, a friend of mine, former FBI agent who's been following this case very, Hello, very closely. Um, all right, Jennifer, let's start with this uh, this new development today of what the public defender is, is, is getting paid. I saw you just tweeted about it. W- what do you make of it? I, I was very surprised, and let me tell you why. She's a government county employee. I can tell you that the law enforcement officers that were investigating that case, those 60 FBI agents, the state detectives, their salaries did not get doubled because they were working a quadruple homicide. Uh, I've been trying to research. It's been a short period of time that I've known about this. I've- I'm going to pause it right here and throw something on the big screen because I watched this on my big screen in my living room this morning and I was taken aback when I looked at the wall behind her, much like her own expertise. I see a lot of fakeness in the room there. Uh, those aren't bricks. Those are... Some kind of decoupage he's sponged on the wall. I'm like, what? Why? Hello, 70s. Just saying. I've never known of something like this to happen with a public defender to have their salary increased. Her previous salary uh, was noted as 119 to 172,000, probably dependent on overtime figured into that. And now she could be making about 384,000 and that is without overtime and her co-counsel on your phone? Really? making 180 an hour for 40 hours. So this oh, you guys is want to see her? I'm it's sorry. a lot of money and I don't understand how they can do it. So you're telling me I brought you on my show to tell you're saying that you don't understand. You told me what they did and you told me you don't. Are you an expert? Why are you here? And that's why I don't, nobody does, you know, interviews on my show. Nobody. Yeah, you make a good point. I hadn't thought about that. The detect- she made a good point that she doesn't know. Detectives don't get paid more money or anything like that. But I will say we have to remember say this. this is a death penalty case. It's a death penalty case. It takes case. a lot of expertise. It takes a lot it's- of expertise. 
a difficult case. I called a few friends of mine who were in the field before this, right, when we found out. Uh, they weren't terribly surprised. They said they would have. So the experts who really were experts weren't surprised. Thought the number may have been closer to $100 an hour, um, but certainly when you add it all up in $384,000 a year, I think that came as a surprise to a lot of us. Okay. Let's all right, people. I know there's a lot of allusions to how much radio people make or even a now or what the hell a news person, you know, I was looking for a new job as you guys know, and to be an on-air personality for NPR. And this was one of their top shows, all things considered. Do you know how much they were paying for that? It was $50,000. That's it. I'm like what? That's it? I'm just saying. So how much do you think O'Brien makes? Well, I know that a technical director makes about fifty-five thousand. Uh, I I say he'd be lucky to clear sixty-five thousand. Let's move on. Um, Ashley so it's a lot of money a for lot him. Of exclusive reporting over the last week or so. Uh, last night, um, really a, a big development with what she reported about the nine one one call. She says uh, that according to her sources, it was Ethan's best. Oh, I got some good stuff about this nine one one call. Friend who made the call from Dylan's phone. Uh, you'll remember that was the morning after the murders. We didn't know who made the phone call. Now, according to the sources, it was Ethan's best friend. All right, let's talk about this real quick. Switch back. Thank you, Brian. Thank you, Brian. Thank you, uh, uh, Cover Dover. All right, so let's replay this in our, you know, let me just recap it. I want to replay it. We played it the last episode about. Ashley Banfield's sources for the 911 call. She just said sources. She said she had multiple sources. And she said this. She said that it was Ethan's best friend who came over, found his body, and Zana's body. And he used Dylan's phone to call 911. You know, there's been a lot going around about Ashley Banfield breaking the gag order. You know, she hasn't been gagged. You know, she, she hasn't been gagged. Let's, let's go over without pulling the gag order up. Cause I really don't feel like I need to, because what I'm saying is so basic. We know the lawyers involved in the case and the law enforcement can't talk about it, but in every gag order I've ever seen, do you know who else can't talk? Anybody that's going to be called as a witness in the case. Now, do you think that, I don't know, the person that discovered the body is going to be called as a witness. I think so. So, this means that in reality, Ashley Banfield is putting people at risk. She's saying she has legitimate sources. Now, in the news industry, you know, especially one such as renowned as Banfield on News Nation, we put that at a pedestal, right? At the below, lowest you'd have Geraldo Rivera or um, I don't know. Who else would you have now? Greg Gutfeld? I don't know. At the at the lowest. But even even uh, News Nation would be a little bit higher. That means that your sources would be firsthand. It wouldn't be hearsay. If you have a reliable source, you know, this would be somebody that was there. Somebody who would not be allowed who under the gag order to talk. Okay? So if you have real information, I mean, as far as a 911 call, you would have to have them or somebody who was there actually giving you that information for it to be a reliable source worthy of broadcast on this esteemed internet streaming institution. 
So we'll assume that's what she says too, or we'll assume that's what she has too. Maybe she's bullshitting. Maybe, maybe I'm not saying she is, you know, regardless of what I'm saying, I still like Ashley that could change. And does it even matter who the hell am I? But if she's bullshitting and I'll, I have some evidence that looks like she might be, she's just been getting the same kind of information that we've had for months and reporting it later and saying it's verified. Now the law enforcement, the court who ordered this gag order might have an obligation at some point to check into her sources. She doesn't have to reveal them, but sometimes they can press it, which would cost news nation a whole lot of money. And without talking about election fraud, but not as it relates to election fraud, but when Fox was talking about election fraud and that one company that was being slandered by him, I mean, and everything else went after them. They can do that. And it gets to the point where you got to reveal your source of your, your information, depending on how much money the person's willing to spend on it. So I'm just saying the nine 11 thing on its own, the nine one one call and where that information came from can, it can not saying it will, but it can be an issue, a legal issue if pressed. It can. I don't give a damn what they say. They're not saying anything, but I mean, they're, what they're saying has is about as much gravitas as uh, stepping on Cheetos, you know. But let's continue here and let's look at what I found about Ashley Banfield's sources. But before I do that, because we got some heavy information coming on here, I'm going to talk about our executive producers, and I want to tell you about the format of the show. I did I tell the pre-stream earlier, but I'm going to tell you guys now. And, uh, yeah, stay tuned. We got some really good information. So our executive producers are Lady Lisa and Grant. Thank you both very much, Lady Lisa and Sir Grant. Appreciate it very much. You guys keep this show going. We're fighting right now to stay relevant because of the change in the YouTube algorithm. And the change for this show relates to this. We're doing the show live right now. It's free. You know, everybody can see it. As soon as this stream stops, I'm going to kick it over to members only. But every uh, story I'm going over is going to be broke, broken down into an individual video and it's going to be released ASAP. So you can get the whole show in bits, or if you're a member, you can get the whole show uninterrupted. I appreciate you guys very much. Uh, No choice on this. This is the way the YouTube algorithm goes. It's changed. The old YouTube CEO stepped down. We have a new one that stepped up a day or two ago, and maybe things will change. But from now, this is what they want. So this is what I have to do. All right. Continuing here, I don't know about you guys, I'm a little bit nervous. Let me get some water here. The things I read and the things I saw made my eyes cross and my temperature raise. The same way you felt when you saw that thumbnail. The one of, you know, I didn't alter any of that, by the way, not one of them. I mean, that's not the real picture of Nothing Burger, but I'm not the one that put his face on that body. No. 
I'm not the one. I'll show you who the one is. So there's a website. Uh, it's not a website. It's Reddit, really, is what it is. Holy moly. I just lost it. Live. The tweet has been deleted. Holy moly. That's awesome. All right. Well, let me read you what it was. This is about... Let me check my email real quick. You guys are like, what the hell is Jerry going on about? Well, as I was live the tweet got taken off. That's fine, though. That's fine. So this was the gist of it. I got to read it to you. It was a lady. It's a lady who was Ashley Banfield's source for the WSU termination letter. So here's the gist of this crazy woman typed up a bogus letter of termination from WSU to BK and what looks to be Comic Sans, Point size 24, no WSU letterhead, and unprofessional looking as you could imagine. She says the United States of America in the address at the top. Banfield ran with it. And various other mainstream outlets have continued to report the story as though it's credible, even though the New York Times, I believe, just goes to show that MSM can't and should not be assumed to be truthful, and we should always question the narratives and purported facts we are fed. They love to shade independent journalists and YouTubers as web sleuths, but on the whole, they actually tend to show their sources when claiming to have factual information and make clear what is simply speculation and analysis. Banfield is much better than a lot of MSM, and even still, WSU made a statement that student privacy... Laws prevent them from sharing BK student records and that BK is not currently enrolled at or employed by the university. Well, obviously he's in jail for the second semester, so that says nothing of being terminated of his TA position. Speaking of BK's employment, I wonder how long it'll be before we find out that he did get that internship with the Pullman Police Department, why none of those MSN reporters are looking into it. All right, her name was Gigi. She has 400 followers in a blue check. All right. Uh, Gigi was the one who reportedly gave this letter to Banfield. And not only that, but Gigi, the thing that got the, the, the thing that got deleted that we can't watch right now was her going off like an insane woman to Sleuthy Goosey. And uh, she was also going off on Coffindoffer. So, but now it's been deleted. So there you go. I'm going to see if I can find some more of her stuff because she had some crazy. Here it is. Oh, you're so lucky. Here. All right. This is crazy. This is a lady reportedly, supposedly, speculatingly gave the goods to Banfield. How appropriate when you do not have any other response and i've seen you do this to other people on this app to which i have proof 
You think I'm playing, Sleuthy? I hope you keep responding. By the way, Sleuthy Goosey, if you're there, let me know. I want to talk to you about this. This lady, I give you a platform. You need to keep responding just like you need to share exactly in context. the. I wonder if this lady's name is Tessa. Videos that I sent you like telling you about this. Now, since you want to bring mental health in, I think the mental health of the families is important. And I'm going to make sure that they see every single bit of this. And not just this. Every bit of it. So question my mental health again. That way all these people can see that you literally oh, have we're showing no everybody. You need to do a good job tonight. She's a lady down on love. I'm going to have to play that on my next set. Midnight Radio pre-show. And I will let you, and I will let you know, you let me know that I have proof, proof that your people came and did it. People. You are continuing a narrative that you continued long after I blocked you. Long. So did Koffendoffer. Koffendoffer. Talking damn. about, well, maybe she retopped it. You mean to tell me that you don't have a problem with Koffendoffer having me having read part of it to her and you're her bestie? I even sent the personal message to her for you. That was right before she deleted a bunch of stuff out of her inbox now what we're gonna do is we're not gonna question people's mental health anymore if you want to make an impact in this world you need to get yourself in check and i'm not gonna stop until you do the right thing do the right thing you're trying to push the attention back on my instability i think fascinating this is a saga we must get to the bottom too Man, maybe I'll talk too much about coffin off tonight. So, so M. Walsh, armchair P.I., this other guy that's girl, whatever, that's won't shut up. It must be me. Um, who else? Chef Dizzy. Mm, DJ Smelly Willis. follow Jen and they don't hate on her. Bunch of people that follow you that don't hate on you. Okay, so when I come to your page and I see you write something like, I'm going to deal with this BS so we can move on. Salute, if you had looked at the data way back then, you would have already connected way more than you connected. You're focused on what Dylan said, what this person said, what this person said. You have facts about Koberger and you are diverting it. And I want to know, do you have a reason to influence the narrative? Cause this is alarming. I'm shocked. I got to know how this concludes. This doesn't have a lot of views. These people are kind of elf important. Not, hey, come on. The part you're not getting, I'm not getting is that before I got sober, and before oh, I started ADHD alcohol. treatment, I would have had you eating out of the palm of my hand and doing everything I asked you to. Holy smokes. But that's before I got 
real. That's before I found. And what I see here is alarming. And I've asked over and over and over again for you and Koffendoffer to go search the hashtag and put it in the comment. Get that hashtag. If you don't have a problem with the fact you can't find it, I cannot believe you turned this into mental health. You just that talked about so it. That is so concerning. I'm concerned Sleepy. too. Do you know anything thing. about like murderers and like unstable people? Because if you do, you know I ain't even close. What I am is good at what I do. You're on Twitter. I mean, what the hell do you got going for you? All right. Holy moly. What the hell were y'all guys talking about? Replying to, I don't even know who these people are. Anyway, here we go. Are you guys getting all this? Are you getting, because there's going to be a test at the end of this. You guys can call in. All right, so check this out. Look at this Brian Kohlberger love fest we got going on. I'm not even joking. Brian Kohlberger's innocence monthly discussion. I found this disturbing, and I find the audio to suck, but I'm going to try because I'll boost it. All right. This is one of the many things I found, and uh, hold on. Ha, cross my eyes. It's one of the many things I found disturbing about Ashley's sources. I would find things like a week before her and throw it out as garbage. I'll tell, uh, here, Mark, pin this for you. I talked about it earlier. I always say his name wrong. Anon Harsh or Harish Harsh, Anon Harsh. Uh, several YouTubers are pointing him out now because he has a record and did drugs once and pointing him out that he must be a new suspect. New suspect videos get a lot of views, don't they? Who knows? Maybe Ashley will come up with that same thing in a week or two and have a secret source she won't tell us about. But here's something I noticed. I noticed when this first hit about uh, this website right here that I'm looking on. This is a sub Reddit where they, you know, they're, uh, Brian Kohlberger lovers, which is really just disturbing my mind. But one of the things I had on here was that he had access to a tablet and that they were putting money on his commissary at the prison. Went these women that love him. We're going to go into some of those messages and that in a minute. But then Ashley reports on it. And I'm going to play this video for you right now. And they recorded this off the TV and I couldn't find a better clip. So we're going to do the best we can listening to it. He uses to communicate with his family and his friends. And his fans, okay, so it's a system that anybody can access, Uh, even you and me. We can all creep on the system, too, and we can see in real time whether Brian Koberger's currently chatting with somebody. Turns out there's some pretty cool technology where she could be meeting with him pretty virtually. Uh, COVID was really big on advancing this and making it ubiquitous. But our team did some digging, and we discovered this very interesting communication privilege that is now uh, part of Brian Koberger's life. It's a, it is a template that he gets to have in his cell, and he can communicate with his lawyer, he can communicate with his friends, his family, his fans, anybody who uh, he accepts as part of his, his contact fans? list. I want you to see which other alleged or convicted killers uh, what they've got access to in terms of the tablet use throughout the day. We're actually going to do a deep dive on the accounts sure for you Lord Vello, Scott Peterson, Brian Walsh, Jody Arias, Alex Murdoch, Chris Watts, and even do a Jim deep Hurst. dive and out I of your ass. The flood of money. 
that people have been pouring into their commissary the accounts that is tomorrow, so don't make All right, you're not doing any of that. So here's the truth. The same system that he used. Ashley found my post about the tablet thing that I posted on this sub and made this fake BS report saying he's talking to fans. I hope she sees this. Banfield ASAP. Ban Banfield ASAP. Right. His account is suspended, Ashley. He even, even said it on the screenshot. She's a clown at this point. This is four hours ago. This is breaking news today. His fans, ick. Isn't she supposed to be a journalist? He hasn't even been convicted yet. She's saying this as a journalist on a news channel. This is what the people are writing there in the comment section. It's not even accurate that he has communicated to anyone outside his family and lawyer. And, too, since he hasn't even had a trial yet, exclaiming her disgust that he has fans without context presumes he's guilty. What if these people are supporters who think he is innocent? I know that's not the case for some of them, but I am saying in theory, there are those who support him because they believe he is innocent. I personally believe he is guilty, but I'm not a journalist on national television. Prudent Cup. BK came up as a match for me on Bumble today. I said it was I said he was online, so I swiped right despite being like, oh crap, it's Coberger. I like a little danger in my life, keeps things interesting. I message him, sup. I hope he answers. So I know for a fact that BK is using Bumble to get prison dates, even though I saved absolutely zero evidence of this. His profile says he's hoping to keep it casual but wants kids someday. Source me, a Reddit rando. Are these her sources? Are these the sources she used? I can verify that story about the tablet came out and what it was and how it was misrepresented by her and how it blew up or is going to blow up. Hers came out a few hours ago. You're hearing mine now. Disturbing. Let's look at what else we have here. This was very odd and I got more coming up in a minute. More friend. We're going to go from uh, the subreddit Brian Colberger, and we're going to go to Friends of Brian, which gets more disturbing. But check this out. While looking further into pogo, st- have you heard about the Brian Colberger pogo stick theory? I came across an old article on BK who knew he was into extreme sports. He was the. Has the pogo been recovered? Excerpt from Pogo magazine a few years back. While looking further, O'Brien soon grew up to become an extreme sports enthusiast, but he was looking to do more with his passion. That's when he remembered his love for the pogo stick and how much that concept has stuck to him even as a kid. Therefore, he wasted no time and started experimenting with the pogo stick to redesign it better. His idea was to convert the pogo stick from a mere children's toy to a high-flying extreme sports vehicle. Eventually knew that in order to turn his vision into reality, he would have to work up the design to assist modern technology incorporating incorporation, resulting in the world's highest performing pogo stick. Brian's stated goal was to be able to pogo onto a second floor deck and peer through windows. The gag order has prevented much info from being shared until the trial, but there is info in BK out there. It remains a working theory. He pogoed onto the deck as evidenced by the pogo stick leaving circles in the driveway. He pogoed back to his car and waited for his next confrontation 
with his professor. Can't wait till June to figure this all out. I wonder when this, or if this is going to be reported on Banfield. Just thought. All right, I think it's time for us to go. Is this just a picture? Yeah. All right. The New York Times took it from her, too. Nobody has yet explained why a source would give her the letter and not the newspapers or not to sell it for that matter. Is, isn't, is this a woman from Arkansas who claims to get information from dead people? The, the photo, the video she's posting on Twitter makes her seem a little bit unreliable. What's really pathetic about Banfield in this video has been up for a while. There were literally nothing she reported on that was not already known. When a reporter's favorite source, Facebook, I don't bother to watch. All right, I'm going to continue on here. And I'm kind of doing a deep dive on this today. I don't know where that's playing. All right. Did Brian's dad assist Ellie? All right. So let's go to this next one, which is really sensational right here. All right. This is called Friends of Brian. Very disturbing. Now, I, I clicked on new, and the newest thing I got is from one month ago. I don't like how people are treating Brian. All these women from Tinder saying he's weird. I don't believe all these former classmates, former acquaintances, only think he's weird now that they're looking back on it. They're nitpicking. Plus, I think all these people are looking too deeply into it and just want their 15 seconds. Women on Tinder clearly met up with him because they thought he was attractive, but they don't want to admit that. So what if he's a little awkward, if even true? Give him some time to warm up and get comfortable before you run off, crying wolf. And it goes on from there. I mean, there's worse. This one's called Brian Kohlberger is too cute to be innocent. Cute, too cute to not be innocent. What do you think, ladies? I don't even like to ask. Somebody made this. Wow. I found my people. I've been absolutely getting dragged for defending Brian and stating the state's evidence is absolutely unreliable. I actually did a live the other day explaining how unreliable the evidence is in the affidavit. Is if you want to check it out, I will be doing another live Thursday if anyone would like to join. Brian Kohlberger is innocent. Not buying the video evidence of the white sedan. Oh, here's my favorite, and we'll move on. This is from Dainty Diapers, uh, January the 3rd. Innocent and beautiful until proven guilty. At Brian Kohlberger could slay my hot steaming ho anytime. At Brian Christopher Kohlberger at Murder Myva. Yes. Dirty diapers, everybody. Some of the people commented on this saying, truth right here. We pretty much bet that's a male edgelord posting it. 
This is enough to make me want to leave this disgusting effing weirdo. Hoping that's not her face on the avatar. You dirty dog. Ooh, that's one classy lady. New picture of Brian supposedly an upload. Date of 2016. So there's a new picture for you if you guys want. I'm going to put a link to everything I'm going over in the show notes. If you guys are interested, Ashley Banfield is Papa Rogers. Here's an update. Idaho quadruple myrtle suspect Brian Nothingburger's parents are still in touch with his former Pennsylvania public defender, Jason Labar. Labar said Kohlberger's mother, Marianne Kohlberger, still supports her son despite the evidence laid out against him in a probable cause affidavit for his arrest with the connection of November 13th. She would first and foremost put out her heartfelt sympathies for the four families. All right, we've already listened to that. Oh, this is interesting. Okay, here's what this says before I play. It's pretty sad that it takes overseas journalists to report the truth about BK's personal relationships. We're told he was an incel, okay? I spoke to one of Koberger's neighbors here at his university accommodation in Pullman. He didn't want to go on camera, but said he frequently saw Koberger in the company of an Asian girl, often laughing and joking. On the night of the murder, he saw him right out here, Acting normally. Fascinating. What to make of that? Let me continue on here. There's the pogo stick theory. All right. We're going to go off. We're going to leave. Since someone killed us. Idaho 4 topic right now. So for those of you that are here for the Idaho 4 we're now leaving that topic. So, just letting you know, but I got some stuff about the Delphi murder is breaking as of today. Check it out now. We're hearing from the defense saying that they would be, quote, shocked if they're ready for the trial by the end of this year. This week marks six years since someone killed those two young girls, Abby Williams and Libby German. And today their families were in the courtroom as the man accused of killing them appeared before a judge. Tonight, our Karen Campbell joins us live in the newsroom to explain how it all played out in court today. Karen. Hey, and Felicia, Richard Allen appeared via Zoom from jail for today's hearing about scheduling a new date and time for a bail hearing. Attorneys representing Allen said they just received evidence from prosecutors Monday, and that was not enough time to hold a hearing originally set for today on whether Allen should continue to be held without bail. Now, defense attorneys expect they uh, expect rather uh, to review all of the evidence to take anywhere from four to eight weeks. And as for when Allen's trial might take place, that will be discussed during a bail hearing on the morning of June 15th in Carroll County. Also, uh, starting May 1st, we know judges will now have the option to allow news cameras in the courtroom. But the question becomes, will Judge Gull allow this in her courtroom? In the newsroom, Karen Campbell, 13 News. Thank you very much, Karen. Let me see what I just did. I hit a, I hit a button. I clicked on something. Oh, Delphi India, very nice. Oh, and I can't click out. Awesome. So, bell hearing set for suspect in Delphi murders. 
February 17th. Allen's attorneys asked the judge for more time and for a trial to be delayed, and the prosecutor is not objecting. The defense team court filing on February 7th claims they have not yet received all the evidence from the state and won't be prepared for February 17th. That's today. I will keep you guys updated on this for those of you that uh, are in are wanting to know about the Delphi case. I've been covering it for for a while, way before the Idaho Four. I was very disturbing. Very disturbing. All right. I have no, uh, something that's very disturbing to me, and I played a little bit. I played this for you yesterday, but I discovered something else today that really brought my piss to a boil. And it seems, you know, like a big deal that happens in the distance. You know, and I'm talking about this right here. I'm talking about this chemical fire. That happened in um, Ohio. I don't know why I didn't say this at the time, but I've real world experience in hazmat. That's what one of the things I did in the Navy. I was one of the things I did was I was assigned to be a preventive medicine technician, and uh, hazardous waste and chemicals are one of the things I did. I'm like, holy shit! Wait a second, I'm an expert about this, and. For those of you that don't know, let me just sum it up real quick. There was a train that was derailed in Ohio. In Palestine is what they say the name, or Palestinian, however they say it. I used to live in Ohio. We'd call it Palestine. I lived there for like seven years. Not too far from this place, by the way. All right. So the train wrecked, and they had a spill, all right, with a bunch of different chemicals. The governor said, that's okay. Take the chemicals and set them on fire. And that's what you're seeing on your screen right there. Matter of fact, I'll let him talk and I'll let you see this fire burn. So you can see. All right, there we go. The, the governor said, burn it. What the F? What the F? Did, do you know that there are certain things you do? You have a list of logical things you're supposed to do when chemicals are spilled, and burning it is not on the list. It's something that you should avoid. You should have had the damn fire department there to make sure it didn't burn. Let me show you guys. Here's the rules of hazmat right here. The following steps should be taken during spill cleanup. Prevent the spread of dusts and vapors. Neutralize acids and bases. Control the spread of the liquid. Absorb the liquid. Collect and contain the cleanup residue. Dispose of the waste. Decontaminate the area and affected equipment. Not set the some bitch on fire. The governor, Mike DeWine, should be held responsible. He should be uh, heavily he should be removed from being the governor of Ohio, and he should have criminal charges. You don't, do not put chemicals on fire. Why in the hell would he possibly want to do that? I'll tell you why. Because he doesn't give a damn about the people, and the reason why he did it is because it was easier for the rail 
road. Well, the easiest thing for them to do is instead of ordering all the things that soak up this big mess, which would be, you know, the, the, uh, the polystructural material, you know, much like water beads, it soaks it up that come in packs, these gel packs that you dump and they pick it up and they haul it out of there. No, that's what they're supposed to do. Let's just set it on fire. You know, don't worry. I'm the governor. I won't get in trouble. You won't get sued because that's what the law will be safe and it'll be faster for you so you can save some money and donate to my campaign. F you, Mike DeWine. I'm moving on. That is not something you do with a chemical spill. Never in a million years. Control burn my ass. Let's go over this. This is what's shaking in Florida for any of you that might be living in Florida right now. I heard this, thought it was crazy. Let's go over this a little bit. I got a lot of the Murdoch trial coming up too, by the way. For those of you that are in that, involved in that, I have some stuff coming up prostitution operation in Polk County. Sheriff Grady Judd and a joint task force announced that the Operation Traffic Stop netted 89 people for soliciting sex and 111 for prostitution over the seven-day sting. Judd says USF sophomore and wide receiver for the Bulls, Bailey Purcell, was negotiating sex in exchange for money. He posted bond and was released from jail earlier today. You almost want to feel sorry for him. He's a kid. He said, can you call my pastor? But whatever you do, don't call my parents. Tells me he's got some really good parents at home. I believe they will correct his mistake between the parents and the pastor and the court system. USF Athletics responded with the following, saying, quote, We are aware of the situation involving walk-on wide receiver Bailey Purcell. He has been indefinitely suspended while the legal process proceeds and more information becomes available. Zoom Show, a FICO software engineer, was arrested on prostitution charges as well. But Judd says he admitted to going to USF football games to look at the female students. Judd says 14 of the 24 possible victims are in the country illegally. 13 came from Cuba. What is the overreaching theme of tonight's show? Nothing is safe. What government officials, what your news tells you, do not believe it. Believe facts. They are not telling you facts. You have to know that what you see matters. What makes sense to you is something called reality. Believe it. Don't believe what you're told. Check what you're told. Check it. Don't blindly believe. Protect yourself. Protect your family. Don't trust anyone. And for God's sakes, be careful in public settings. Criminals like to get lost in crowds. But and one from Mexico. Judd says all of them came from the southern border and that they were smuggled into the U.S. and forced into prostitution in order to pay off their transportation debt. That's hard for me to believe since we don't have an immigration problem. I can't believe it. The border is secure. No, it's not. There's really not a crisis at the border. Yes, there's a crisis at the border. Wake up. Somebody in Washington with more than five brain cells needs to listen to this. Well, maybe asking them to have five brain cells, too many. Let's shoot for three brain cells. Jody Dominique from One More Child, a local nonprofit working with the victims. I didn't know he was going to say that, everybody. 
says that the community needs to learn what human trafficking looks like. She says it's not a mother and child being followed at a store. It rarely involves kidnapping or cars later marked for victimization. It most often looks like generations of cyclical poverty and individuals who are desperate to have their needs met for survival. I was told that I was going to own nothing and be happy, and they're doing their damnedest to make sure I get to that position very quickly. Well, does that all open us up to injustice where we can't afford good lawyers? Does that open us up to being victims from those who aren't held by the rules or criminals that have a little bit more money? Does it? It also looks like people coming over the border from other countries and having additional vulnerabilities like not speaking the language or a young daughter who's being coerced online by an older boyfriend or may have shared a picture that unfortunately exposes too much and now she's indebted to that person. The operation didn't just result in human trafficking and prostitution related this charges, but drug and weapon charges Florida. as well. Judge says he has a message for anyone who is thinking about coming to Polk County to commit a crime. And my message is clear. We don't make it a secret. If we didn't get you in this operation, we'll get you in the next operation because if you come in this county and mess with these police departments or the sheriff's office and you don't think you're not going to be arrested, you're smoking some funny weed. The Joint Task Force encourages anyone with information related to human trafficking to call your local law enforcement. I'm Emmy McCarthy, trafficking to call you. Come on, Emmy. Phone number is call the National Human Trafficking Resource Center at 1-888-373-7888, 1-888-373-7888, or text HELP to 233-733. That is text HELP to 233-733. We covered a human trafficking story earlier this week, and uh, you guys can check that out as, as it related to the Murdoch trial. Not a lot of views on that one. Some of you guys only go by the thumbnails. I do so much more than I ever put on the thumbnails, but not anymore. I'm going to do less because that's what YouTube wants. They want these sensational thumbnails and they want all my material broken up. All right. All right. We'll do that. That's what you guys want. I don't have a choice. This shows a conversation with you. I've got to keep it you here, right? So that's what YouTube wants. I do have more about Murdoch coming up. I do. If you guys, I don't have any, first of all, I, I want to thank some people. All right. Let's, before I move into this last part, I got one more, one more story. And then we're going to move out of the Murdaugh, what happened today. And before we move on to that, I want to thank our producers. You're the producers. This show, we go over wild ass speculations, wild ass theories, old ass theories, tame ass theories, dumb ass theories, even L-A-T's. Uh, Lats, lame ass theories. And I want to thank some of the producers that brought, gave us the ability to do that. Now, if you want to be an executive producer, you can do that. I didn't tell you how before, but you can get a super sticker in the chat room or you can do a super thanks after the video is done. It has a heart with the dollar symbol symbol there. And you can do that. Uh, anything $20 or more or the cash app will make you a executive producer. That is, if you like the show and it gives you that much, you know what I mean? It's like value for value. Like, you know, some of you guys, I was, we were doing shows every day 
and I, I'm still going to have material coming out a lot, but we're every day, like two hours a day, every day, or an hour a day, every day, you guys spent hours and hours with me at a time. And you're like, you know what? That is more entertainment than I can get from Hollywood. That is more entertainment than I can get going out with my friend and getting us a couple cups of coffee. And you found the value in the show and I appreciate it because I'm giving you everything I have in the show. Believe it or not, this affects my life and my whole family. I'm letting you in guys. And you found the value and you gave back. That means a lot to me. It's not about the money. Those of you that don't know, every cent goes into getting our music license. We're fighting for it. We're working on that. We want something not controlled by the mainstream where we can rock out and hear the songs we want to listen to. So you guys can hear the songs you want to listen to. If you tune in for the pre-show, which we do every time we go live, we have a, a bunch of DJs that do that, then that is a taste of what it is. I want to thank the following producers. I got to know. I appreciate you so much. Electra, thank you so much. Grant, I appreciate it so much. Victoria J- Jones, uh, Lady Victoria, thank you very much. Mr. Affa, thank you very much. Appreciate it so much. And there's more, but I want to, we have another executive producer for our next show. Thank you guys very much. Keep this going. And I'm telling you, I'm working on this. And it's taken me a while to get my music license because of the red tape we're going through. I just got an email today for my LLC license. I have to verify that I'm a veteran, so I get a special veterans benefit in it. It'll save a little bit of, of that donation money. So that's what we're doing right now. I just got another message. Hold on. So it, it, we are going forward with this, and that also has to do... I see we got another executive producer for next show. Thank you very much. I got to know. Appreciate that. So that's where we're at right now. We are moving forward. I have to wait for the LLC formation before I open the merch store too. And I'll tell you why. Because I have to deal directly with the the distribution of the funds. So if you buy something from the store, it all it automatically takes it out of our fund. And then we get the money uh, secondary from the card, the the Visa or the MasterCard, whatever the transaction company is there. But we deal with them directly. You deal with us. You see the difference? So there are expenses, credit card expenses to that. There's other YouTubers that don't uh, do their, what they do as a business. We're doing it as a business so we can write off the expenses of the business so we don't go broke. So we can, so every dollar that you put in, is more valuable than if I'm just doing this as a hobby. You know what I mean? And we have to do it professionally for our music license. I'm telling you guys, we're on to something big. Um, I'm, we're keeping at it on our end, and we're coming out with everything just absolutely as fast as we can. There's a little bit of red tape. I'm sorry for that. Now, thank you guys very much. It's much appreciated. I'm about to open up the phone lines after I go over this next story before we get into Murdoch. You guys haven't sent me any voicemail messages. Whenever we're doing a live show and you guys want to put in a voicemail message, you can do that. Just do 325-261-0892. That's 235-261-0892. Leave a voicemail message about something we talked about. You know, here's a problem. You have like, I have like five stories. And if you guys check out the description below the videos that I put out after the show, man, some of those are like this long and they're full of links of stuff we talked about, you know, 
it takes some time to do that. You know, there's a lot of preparation that goes that's involved in it. But unfortunately, as I go through these, you come through this one thing, let's say it was about Ashley Banfield's source, and you want to say something, you don't have to wait. Just call 325-261-0892 and do a voicemail, all right? Let's say the video comes out later and you wanna, you're want to you watching it later because you couldn't hit the live. Nope, not a problem. Go ahead and call that number, put in a voicemail message. I listen to all of them. Uh, don't leave me a message if you don't want me to play it on the show because then it doesn't have value to me, you know? It's if you're, you know, I have a limited number of time. If you leave messages you don't want it on the show, well, you wasted my time because I'm constantly producing the show. So thank you guys very much. Let's go on to the next, this next story. And I thought this was worth sharing. So let's, let's go over this and we're going to go into our Murdoch wrap up daily wrap up. Richard Newton is a retired assistant air force vice chief of staff. So it looks like these are just American weather balloons that just popping with $400,000 missiles. Um, are you proud of that as a former air force guy? Well, Jesse, what we do know is that the first off, the Chinese are conducting a global spy campaign with these with these balloons, and you know, they're I think a significant threat to the United States. Period. Dot on that point. Uh, the the fact that whether or not we're able to, uh, you know, we had one shot with an F-16 that was unable on the first shot with an AIM-9X Sidewinder shoot it down. These are very complex, uh, you know, very complex mission. Uh, again, we are not trained uh, or they designed certainly the F-16 or the F-22 to go after a slow mover such as a five or ten knot uh, uh, balloon. I can tell you that at USAF Weapons School or certainly a Top Gun, we don't train. This isn't in our playbook, but nonetheless... <laughs> You know what? That's something that hasn't been brought up. It's very impressive that they're able to use a missile to shoot a balloon. Seriously. That's the equivalent of, I don't know, using a gun at 200 yards and shooting the booger out of a nickel in uh, a Thomas Jefferson's nose. You know, that's kind of impressive. You don't train well, on popping balloons. Is, I, I would agree. No, we, I would we don't. agree. <laughs> but 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 this is this is this is a significant threat, and it's a wake up call for, for Americans. The fact that the Chinese are operating this global spy campaign through balloons, they're in a region. At least that first balloon that was shot down on the fourth of February by an F twenty two that was operating up at around sixty five thousand feet. That's in a near space regime that I believe the Chinese are trying to exploit. Uh, we don't region, operate up there very regime. much. We've got some uh, some reconnaissance aircraft such as the U-2 and the Global Hawk unmanned aero vehicle, but it's a region that I believe the Chinese are going to try to exploit, and they're they're doing it. No, but it's Again, an accident. Years, General, no, nations in five continents. The, the Biden team is saying that the wind just blew it around here. They're just saying this was all a big yeah. mistake, and they, yeah. they were monitoring it the whole time. It just happened to blow across all of our secret military. All right, everybody, I want you to ignore the politics in this and hit the facts of the balloon here in a minute. Installations. Yeah, this is not a mistake, Jesse. In fact, I was the commander of the 5th Bomb Wing at Minot Air Force Base in North Dakota. If I had a Chinese spy balloon overhead like they did in Montana for three days, I'd be very concerned as an operational commander, uh, you know, with my capabilities that I had with B-52 bombers and intercontinental ballistic missiles. It, it's, a, it's, a, it's a threat. All right, so let me continue with the story, the written story here. On Thursday, a report by Aviation Week offered an intriguing hypothesis about what one of those three objects could be missing in action globetrotting balloon belonging to an Illinois-based uh, hobbyist club. 
That's right. You know, it's not illegal to put a balloon in the sky. Per the report, the Northern Illinois Bottle Cap Balloon Brigade, NIBBB, silver-coated party-style Pico balloon, reported its last position on February 10th at nearly 4,000 feet off the west coast of Alaska. Projections show that the object could be floating over the central part of the Yukon Territory on February 11th, the same day Lockheed Martin F-22 shot down an unidentified object in the general area. Small Pico balloons range between $12 and 180 and are naturally buoyant above 43,000 feet. These objects can carry 11-gram tracker with HF and VHF HG, UHG antennas to update their positions around the world, according to Aviation Week. I believe you would need a ham radio license to operate one of these. Am I right, uh, hot ham radio? The object noted that the shape, altitudes, and payloads of small Pico balloons match the descriptions of all three unidentified objects shot between February 10th and February 12th. Oh, boy. Can you imagine... Can you imagine uh, being in charge and saying something like this? Hey, you know, if we shoot these down, we can get a lot more in our budget right now in these budget talks. Just for under 300 bucks of actual balloon and $2 million in airplanes and missiles. $2 million. Probably more than that since there are three now. Fascinating. Just something to think about. Something to think about. I know a lot of people are saying UFOs. And of course, they want to, to have something to talk about. All, you know, we got to satisfy the algorithms. Let's talk about Murdoch. I got an email here from someone that follows this case very closely. And for those of you that are listening, I'll read it out. And then we'll go into our videos. This is a timeline. And this this will be this will go over in our video we're going to watch too. On June seventh, twenty twenty one, at twelve oh seven p.m., Alex leaves Moselle to Hampton Old Law Firm. Arrived at twelve twenty four, max speed sixty five miles per hour, leaves Ham. Six twenty four arrived. M O six forty two, max speed fifty four, leaves M O for Al Al Almedia. 9.07, drives past Maggie's mob on side of the road at 9.08, slows slightly, slows slightly, and then speeds slightly, arrives AM, 9.22, max speed 74, stops in Alm driveway for two minutes. Did he get rid of guns? Leaves Alm 9.43, arrives MO, 10 o'clock, Max speed 80, dark out, unpaved uh, pothole roads at June 721. Cops couldn't drive 80 running code. Whilst that residence leaves for Kennels, first time at 10.05 and 39 seconds, arrives 10.05 and 57 seconds. 911 calls at 10.06. He says returning to residence, leaves Kennels at 10.11 and 54 seconds, arrives Residence at 10, 12, and 18 seconds, max speed 35. I would drive much faster if I left at all. My wife and son are lying, dying. 
at 10.14 and 30 seconds, drives back to Kennels at 24 max speed, 30. Lastly, first trip to law firm, max speed 65 before murders, max speed after murders, 80. All right, let's go into this now. So apparently, right before the murders, his wife found his pill stash. That is, this is what's being said by the New York Times today. Prosecutors rested their case after questioning more than 60 witnesses at the murder trial of Alex Murdaugh, a prominent South Carolina lawyer. Prosecutors trying to convict Alex of murder in the and the killing of his wife and son revealed on Friday that two, the two victims had discovered bags of pills in Mr. Murdoch's computer bag a month before the killings. Disclosing the surprising new evidence of a possible motive before arresting their case against the prominent lawyer. When you get here, we have to talk, Mrs. Murdoch's son, Paul Murdoch, said in a 2021 text to his father. Mom found several bags of pills in your computer bag. The message bolsters the prosecution's argument that at the time of the murders, a perfect storm was approaching Mr. Murdoch. He was 54, and that threatened to expose his embezzlement of millions of dollars from his law firm and clients, as well as his lavish spending on his addiction to painkillers. Prosecution, you know, let me say this about addiction to painkillers. It's not like meth. It's not like alcoholism. Uh, you need the painkillers just to act normally. Prosecutors rested their case on Friday after questioning more than 60 witnesses in a trial that has charted the years-long downfall of Mr. Murdoch, whose family of prosecutors and private practice lawyers held powerful sway in the rural low country region of South Carolina for more than a century. My family's had nothing but a century of bad luck, but best of this guy. Over the past three years, well, I guess I win now, huh? I'm... I might not have had the best day, but by golly, I had a better day than Alex Murdaugh. Over the past three weeks, prosecutors with the South Carolina Attorney General's office have outlined their theory of the grisly crime which Murdaugh's wife, Maggie Murdaugh, 52, and their younger son, Paul Murdaugh, 22, were shot to death near the dog kennels in the family's vast hunting estate. And I do have uh, videos for the next part of this. They have elicited testimony that Mr. Murdoch's financial thefts were on the verge of being exposed around the time of the killings in June 2021. On Friday, they also showed a text that Mr. Murdoch sent to a close friend four days before the murders in which he said he needed to take out an additional 600000 line of credit. I know some of y'all are still thinking that he might not be guilty. And hey, Jerry isn't saying he is. But he's an unfortunate bastard, probably one of the most unfortunate bastards in the history of the world. Do you agree? Or is he guilty? I don't know. Even if you don't think he's guilty and they find him guilty, the jury finds him guilty, will you think he's guilty then? Because everybody likes to tout innocent until proven guilty. And then when a... uh, jury finds them guilty or not guilty, people don't believe it. They don't want to go with it then. Depends on what side are you on, I guess. Me, I I stay neutral naturally. He wanted $600,000 line of credit. I wonder who he wanted it for. Probably to leave the country. That's what I would do. Not anymore. There's nowhere to run now. 
On May 6th, the day that Murdoch's son told him about the discovery of the pills, Mr. Murdoch's wife also searched the internet for pill markings in an apparent attempt to identify him. All this is verified information, by the way. This isn't speculation anymore. Last week, a few days ago, you thought he wasn't on drugs. There's your evidence. He was on drugs. It's been revealed now. Now you have the information. Are you willing to leave behind what you thought before? Once you're hit with evidence, this real? I don't know. I'm just asking. So his son told him about the discovery of the pills. Mr. Murdoch's wife also searched the internet for pill markings to identify them. She looked up the description for pills that matched some oxycodone pills. The next morning, Mr. Murdoch texted his wife saying, I'm very sorry that I do this to all of you. I love you. On May 26, Mrs. Murdoch searched Another pill description. I wonder what it was. The prosecution has also highlighted a series of inconsistencies in Mr. Murdoch's statements to the police and pointed to phone and car location data that it says contradicts his account of his actions on the night of the murders. Perhaps more, most crucially, prosecutors played a video taken by his slain son that captured Mr. Murdoch's voice at the crime scene in the minutes before the damn murders. Despite him saying that he wasn't there yet, that was played today. Ah, just an excitable boy, an unfortunate bastard. He had nothing to do with this. They're out to get him. I don't know. I'm just talking, guys. I really, I'm really neutral on this. But do you see how it goes from thinking him innocent and then to thinking him guilty and then to defense this was the prosecution. Then the defense are going to have their closing statement. And you're going to think the son bitch is innocent again. It's amazing. It's a magic trick. A persuasive speaker. It does not matter if what they're telling you is correct or not. It's about the way they say it and the authority that you think they have. And lawyers know that. And that's what's going to happen when the defense rests. This is a prosecution resting. Let's continue here. In cross-examination, the prosecution witnesses, Mr. Mars lawyers have also won a string of important concessions, painting the police as sloppy. Investigators who were in a hurry to pin the murder on Mr. Murdoch, which, by the way, is something any lawyer in the defense does for a trial. And they always say, oh, they always try to show how they're tunnel, they have tunnel vision. The lawyers have gotten witnesses to admit that a bloody shoe print footprint at the scene of the crime was an officer's that the police waited months to search a home that Mr. Murdoch visited on the night of the crimes that Mr. Murdoch had loving relationships with his wife and son and that Mr. Murdoch was indicted based in part on false testimony from the special agent who led the investigations. I'm not going to read all this to you, but I'm going to read this next paragraph and we're going to kick into our, our next two bits of info this week the defense lawyers tried to shift attention to other possible suspects noting that an unknown man's dna was found under mrs murdoch's fingernails oh my was she giving back scratches out they also suggested that the police should have looked into the drug dealers that mr murdoch was buying pills from which he said he did by writing large checks sometimes for as much as $60,000 in a week. Load ham mercy. Don't let Brian Inton know this. 
he might change his occupations. To a distant cousin who is purchasing the drugs from Cousin Eddie. Those lawyers look so cool, don't they? All right, let me go to our, my next story about this trial. I'm going to put all the links in the show notes. Guys, if you're into Murdaugh, which I mean, man, it's, it's just interesting to me. The drama. When they finally actually present their cases. All right, let's play this video and I'll, I'll hit you on the flip side of this. Alex, Alex Murdoch double murder trial is underway. The judge decided to move forward with the trial despite two of the jury members being out with COVID-19. The disgraced South Carolina attorney will recall is accused of murdering his wife and son back in June of 2021. Prosecutors are questioning investigators about the night of the crime as they look to wrap up their case. CBS News national correspondent Nikki Batiste has been closely monitoring every aspect of this trial and she joins us now here in the studio. Hey there, Nikki. It's so great to have you back from South Carolina. Tell us what we're hearing from as prosecutors begin actually winding down their case. So today, right now on the stand, we're hearing from a SLED investigator, a state investigator who led the investigation. We were just watching some interrogation video where he's talking to Alex and two points to note he asked Alex Murdoch do you remember when you changed your clothes that night because we know he changed clothes the night of the murders from a cell phone video that shows him in a totally different outfit he said I don't remember he also said his wife voluntarily hey I want to talk to the DJs really quick DJs if you're listening I have these earphones on and I can hear that they have a computer under their desk that has a high-pitched fan I can hear that because of these earphones these Sonys are the way to go, guys. They need to fix her audio. Really came to the property that night. Nobody's knows this testimony that that's not the case. She was asked to come to the property. They have several properties where she ultimately was killed that night. Now, Alex Murdoch's sister-in-law apparently provided the first testimony from a, a close family member. And what's key here is she claims that he never had an interest in finding his wife and son's killer. What's significant about that? And what more did we learn from her? Well, here is Maggie's sister. Everyone's worried about a killer on the loose. Who right. could have possibly killed Maggie and Paul Murdaugh? She said instead Alex worried about clearing her son Paul's name in this boat crash that happened in 2019. He'd been charged with driving a boat drunk, essentially, and was facing a trial. A young woman was killed. We also know that that trial would have revealed financial fraud by Alex Murdoch, which the prosecution is claiming is part of the motive that he was trying to... Man, I can't think how many families are like this across the United States, possibly the world, who if just take one thing and everything falls apart. I mean, it's more likely that something wouldn't happen. It didn't happen to his family for, you know, five generations, six generations now, 100 years. How many of them are doing worse but just haven't gotten caught? I wonder to buy time, which is why this boat crash keeps coming up. Uh, Maggie's sister also talked about their marriage. She said Alex and Maggie's marriage was good, not great. We heard about, this This is what jurors could not hear, the judge decided, but we did hear about an affair that Alex Murdaugh had 15 years ago, but her sister said it still bothered Maggie. Um, and we, we also heard that Maggie's sister was worried about Alex and her surviving son Buster's safety 
until September. And in September, a few months after the murders, Alex Murdoch ultimately admitted that he tried to fake his own suicide, asked someone to shoot him to make it look like a suicide so he could get $10 million in life insurance money. That's right. another crazy aspect yeah, that we shorthand this trial. We don't even talk about half the time. Uh, and I just want to add that that actually the judge decided this morning to not allow testimony about that incident into the trial. And a lot of viewers, a lot of uh, the media was wondering if Curtis Smith, the man he asked to kill him, would testify. Right. So now we think he probably won't. Well, speaking of people who may or may not testify, Alex himself might take the stand in his own defense. What are the chances that that might actually happen, Nikki? And is that a good idea for the defense? So it was a rumor swirling around. I reached out to the defense team last night and said, is this really happening? And they said, it's under consideration. He might testify. We just, we don't know yet. We haven't made a decision. Typically, it's really, really risky to put a defendant on the stand. And in this case, most legal experts say, look, there isn't a ton of direct evidence. There's no murder weapon. There's no blood evidence. There's a lot of circumstantial evidence. So generally speaking, it would be really risky. It's possible that Alex Murdoch is insisting he takes the stand and there's not a lot his lawyers could do about it in that case. But if he a lot of people are saying that he might take the stand, which anybody would think would be a bad idea, but they're saying he might do that. We heard the prosecution rest today. Waiting for the defense to rest. It's going to happen within the next few days. We'll find out exactly when tonight. They're thinking he might take the stand. If he takes the stand, there'll be a lot of eyes watching. Wow. Well, might we know. Either way, they, it could be. The, they said the defense has said they won't decide until the last minute. Typically, he would be the last witness they would call. Uh, so I think we might not know until next week. They expect to take about a week, and, and uh, they should begin calling their witnesses Friday. All right, Nikki, thank Stay tuned. you. The defense is going to start picking apart everything that the prosecution put down and having their own expert witnesses and things like that. Um, I just with the car alone and the experts for the FBI that were going through the black box, there's a lot to fight against on that. It's going to be probably more interesting than the prosecution by far. Ay, 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 here we go. Here's our last Murdoch video. You know what I didn't do? I'm going to go to... I'm going to go to... Voice and open the phone lines in case somebody wants to discuss. Uh, I got one message. Let's play it before we watch our last video. He's guilty. He was using almost $50,000 worth of drugs a month. Wow, yeah. And it's no way you could still function. This is Victoria James. Ah. Hey, Victoria. Well, the fact is he was he was still functioning. $50,000 worth of drugs. How much, unless he was doing something else? Well, I don't know, $50,000 worth of drugs, there's no way he could function. This isn't meth. This isn't cocaine. These are oxycodone which are harder to get nowadays, and they cost a little bit more, $50,000, oxycodone. All right, who am I? What the hell do I know? Oh, wait a second. I'll tell you what, there's a book out by Matthew Perry, all right? Addicted to what? Oxycodone. Guess how much he paid a month? Check that out. Matter of fact, I'll put a link in the show notes. He was talking about how much drugs he was actually using Let's see, math. I got to dial a friend. Matthew, D-R-U-G, 
B-I-L-L. Matthew talks about drug addiction in real time. All right, it's pulling that up now. Yes, I do think you could use $50,000 a month. Matthew Perry spent $9 million getting sober. It's okay to talk about how much you spend after it's over, apparently. I was pulling it up right now. Check that out. Google it yourself. I'll put a link when it finally comes up. Ah, here we go. Ah, there's a gateway timeout. All right, let me just get how much money, how much money did M-A-T-T-H-E-W spend on drugs? It just talks about how much he spent on getting sober. Well, that's disappointing. But he does say, I wasn't doing it to feel high or to feel good. I certainly wasn't a partier. I just wanted to sit on my couch, take, a fi- take five Viking and watch a movie. That was heaven for me. It no longer is. In the end, he confessed he probably spent $9 million or something to get sober. And I think if you go farther, it talks about how much he spent getting high. But if it was worth $9 million to get sober, how much do you think he spent getting high? If he considered $9 million a deal. Drugs are expensive, people. Don't do it. Breaking news. After weeks of testimony, the prosecution in the Alec Murdoch double murder trial rested its case. Hold on a second. Let me open up the phone line. In case you guys do want to talk for a little bit, phone line is now open. Phone number is 325-261-0892. If you want to talk about any of the things I've gone over today. It's today. Their final witness revealing to the jury the exact movements of Murdoch the day someone murdered his wife, Maggie, and son, Paul. Our Brooke Butler joins us live from outside the Culleton County Courthouse. And Brooke, the witness cited data investigators just acquired this past Saturday. Yeah, Riley, that data comes from Alec Murdoch's 2021 Chevrolet Suburban. It reveals exactly where Murdoch drove the day of the murders and how fast he was going. Friday, Sled Special Agent Peter Radovsky took the stand. He went over new data pulled from Alec Murdoch's car. It reveals Murdoch's exact movements the day someone murdered his wife, Maggie, and son, Paul. Someone did it. All right, so now we're at where Alex is leaving for Almeda. This is going to be 9.07.06 p.m. Prosecutors pointed out on his way to Almeda, Murdoch seemed to accelerate as he passed the area on Moselle Road where investigators found Maggie's cell phone. But the defense was quick to question. This. Is it fair to say he's continuing a, a fairly gentle acceleration? I would say so, yes. Rudofsky testified Friday. Data shows Murdoch was only at Alameda for about 20 minutes the night of the murders. Murdoch previously told investigators he had been there 45 minutes to an hour. 
What was the arrival time? 9.22. And he's leaving at what time? 9.43. Rudowski testified on Murdoch's drive back to the Moselle property. He hit 80 miles per hour, which he said can be a dangerous speed on that road, given the deer and the road itself. The road you know, was very, a lot of potholes. Rudowski said Murdoch arrived back at the Moselle house at 10 o'clock. He got to the kennels at 10.05.57. How many seconds of that from the time that the suburban arrives at the kennels and he calls 911? Roughly 20. Midnight caller line. This is Jerry. Who am I speaking with? Oh my goodness. This is hot ham radio. Sorry. Hey, it sounds like you. You don't sound like Susan. <laughs> I don't No. Or I do you sound like you. Oh, cool. Well, Susan's her own Susan too. <laughs> What's on your mind? Oh, I've just been watching this Murdoch thing for however many weeks it's been like four weeks expert no (laughs) if you've been watching it every day well i've been watching sorry about the cough but i've been listening while i've been at work and um i don't know i i i kind of walked into this thinking i was hoping that the state would prove him guilty. I was like assuming he was guilty when I started listening to this. Mm -hmm. And then the entire trial has just been proving me wrong the entire time, in my opinion. Um, Proving his guilt wrong? Well, no, I mean, it's just been proving a reasonable doubt. Okay. What do you think about his son's cell phone having having Murdoch's voice recorded on it at a time he wasn't supposed to be there. I think that he lied. I think that um Alex Murdoch lied about um his timeline, you know, when he was interviewed and that is his best defense is that he definitely is a liar and he did lie again because he's like so crazy. He's not this man is not a mastermind, in my opinion. Like, he is the dumbest criminal I've ever heard of, in my opinion. Like, he, you know, he, if anybody has listened to, like, the Cousin Eddie stuff, you know, and the shooting on the side of the road thing, like, this man is not a criminal mastermind, you know. Yeah, he did scam a lot of people in a horrible way. And I hate him for that. Like for what, over 10 years, probably more than that, but he will be in prison for that. Like he, that is all its own trial. So we don't have to worry about him being in prison. In my opinion, (laughs) like he's going there, but I just don't, I don't see him. I've been waiting for evidence that he killed Maggie and Paul, but I don't see it. Well, they definitely haven't found the weapons and they haven't linked anything to him other than, you know, that that's a big deal saying you weren't there and having 
his voice on the dead son's phone at a time he wasn't supposed to be there. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of a big well, thing. Although it, you're right, it's not like a bullet or a gun or your fingerprints or their blood on you. Although they did big, find residue from a gun. It's a on big. Him. It's a big deal because he lied about it, in my opinion. Like I don't. He think, did. I haven't he found a thing he hasn't lied about. Yeah. Yeah. That's one thing he hasn't lied Absolutely. about. Absolutely. I and bet he fell law school. Is, I, yep, probably. You know, like, I think it's an interesting trial for that reason. It's like the chickens are coming to roost. You know, it's like, but is that really what the United States justice system should be? Is that the uh, standard we should hold ourselves to if we're going to be members of a jury, you know, if we're going to be lawyers, if we're going to be anything, if we're going to be judges, if we're going to be in the media. I just, uh, it, it seems like it's all BS if we don't hold that standard up, which is our legal system, which is they have to prove they, the jury has to understand that he is guilty beyond reasonable doubt. You know, there's no reasonable doubt. That's well, the hold only on. There's a difference between theory. there's a difference between doubt and reasonable doubt. <laughs> it's not. Yeah, there is. It's not that he's guilty beyond any shadow of a doubt. It's reasonable. Well, doubt. that's why. That's why I believe. In my opinion, I believe that like our children and our children's children should all be taught in this, in the United States. I want my child to know her rights. I want to, I want her to know the legal system. I think that should be something that's taught from like elementary school in this country. If this is what we're dealing with, we have to teach our children what their rights are, especially in their own states, because I don't think many people understand it in this country at all. You know, someone has a good point there. They say, what was that good point? Oh, we haven't heard the defense yet. We haven't. That's coming up. No, I know. And that's why I got really like into it again today because it's been literally Sorry, my air con- not air conditioning, but my weird whatever this unit is that turns my heat on. Um, I think we have seen literally four weeks over a month, what, 20 days of the state's evidence, right? And, and the state rested today. And what have we seen that is concrete evidence? And I did not, I am not pro Alec Murdoch. I think he's a scumbag in my opinion. Like I was waiting for them to prove him. Like, ah, without a shadow of a doubt, there's some concrete direct evidence there to prove him guilty. And it's like, they've been struggling. It's taken so long so i'm yeah i'm excited to hear what the defense has to say you know i think we all are i want to hear i think the 
weapons are a big issue, and I want to know if those issue but, if but, those weapons are gone. It seems to me like somebody would have had to have help helped him get rid of it, and they haven't. They don't have any other suspects that I know of. Yeah, it sounds to me like they never even entertain the idea of there being another suspect. <laughs> like there's, and like today there was like a kind of a rough like cross examination of the last state witness. Like whoever that lawyer was for the defense was sort of getting a little argumentative with that guy from um, Fred and um, I think he was just trying to prove the point that like, this isn't evidence beyond a shadow of a doubt. Like there isn't any evidence in my opinion. I don't see, I don't see evidence beyond a shadow of a doubt, but I'm thinking in some of those just now, I mean, the defense hasn't had their chance yet. I think things are going to change. And if we're, if we're and most everybody has said, there's not a lot of evidence. Most everybody said there's not a lot of evidence. Some people are hung up on that one aspect alone of he said he wasn't there at this time on his dead son's phone. His, his son thought enough of it to record his father's voice at this certain time. Murdoch's lying about it. I'm thinking right now, as we stand right now, without the defense speaking there, there is not a shadow of a doubt in that jury's mind in some of them right now. Yep. But we haven't gotten into the defense part. And if that's all, I know. I think right now, if that's all they have, the prosecution has, and it is, then what's going to happen on the defense? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I, I feel like I feel like he would be found guilty if they were if the jury were to come back today. Um, but there's something about like knowing the whole history and hearing the whole thing that it literally changed my mind. Like hearing all the state's evidence literally changed my perception of this particular crime. Not any of, you know, Alec Murdoch's other horrific crimes. I think he is horrible, but it, it's just, it's crazy to me. I think most of the state's evidence could be argued in favor of the defense. Um, I just wonder if they're going to take advantage, like if they're really going to persuade the jury that way. So what they're going to do is they're going to, the defense is going to come up and they're going to spend a week knocking down every single theory or every single article that the prosecution put up there. And then they're going to, I don't know, both sides are going to have a few closing arguments there right before the, they yeah. do the final thing, and they're, then they're going to bring out, they're going to go back and bring out these few facts, three or four, and then the other one's going to bring out three or four. And those are the mm-hmm. things, this is a trick, and these are the things the jury is going to focus on, you know. So those. And, and, and I did I did hear today, I know um, Jenna was saying, I would like to know if this is true, but I heard on like court TV or something today that said um, the jury was literally not allowed to take notes this entire time. So I'm going to say this. I mean, go ahead. You're right. I don't know. I don't know. 
I don't know. I mean, it, it doesn't matter to me. Honestly, it's like he could be found guilty and I would jump up and down. I don't, you know, it's hard. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's hard. Well, let's look at this. This is something that Susan A brought up. Oh, Susan A. Susan A. (laughs) There's many Susans. Uh What does anything about the drugs or financial crimes have to do with anything? Well, that's a very Pollyanna statement, but I will say this. He ain't a Sunday school teacher, is he? It has something to say with character. Yeah, but the, the, here's the point. So the financial crimes were allowed in like by the judge and he, the judge specifically said, you cannot use these financial crimes as a character judgment. You have to consider these motives. Like mm-hmm. evidence towards motive, but, not towards but they're human. They're humans so, and we don't yeah, live in a perfect world. I know. No, no, I know. So as much, uh, I know. so my point is this, if he literally was someone who never did anything wrong, so let's take all the financial stuff away, which the judge was going to say mm-hmm. that maybe you shouldn't let it in. Let's take all that away and just have the cert- the evidence about where he was with his vehicle uh, that he was there yeah. when he said he wasn't being recorded on the phone of a dead son. Let's just leave that there. Still, we would be yeah. sitting in the same position that we are now thinking about, yeah, do they have right. enough? But there's more than that. They put all the other stuff. The guy's a dirty bastard. He's been a dirty bastard for a long time. And whether we think it's right yeah. or not, we don't live in a perfect world, and that yeah. doesn't matter. Absolutely. They That's are going to have is- that in their mind. I agree. And I'm going to, I'm going to get off the phone now, but I, my thing that I am left with after, because, but I'm not a member of the jury. I'm a person who has followed this case for about a year. Like I've, you know, listened to podcasts and I've listened to news and I've watched this whole trial. And, um, I just see in my opinion, it seems objectively way more likely that <laughs> that someone would, other than Alec Murdoch, would kill his family, not him, because so many people hated him for so many reasons, and maybe they were like thinking they were to kill him. Exactly. So let's that's talk my, about that. That's my opinion. Those are things that he did with his character that you guys heard in the in the courtroom should that be considered if it can't be considered as his character and reasons that he would commit the murder should that be considered that people would murder him and his family sure the fact is why don't we make everyone it will both ways if it does or it doesn't we still sit here the same way you and i have the same things going through my mind i'm just articulating it on both sides we're still just sitting here, yeah. you know, with our finger going, but we haven't oh, heard the defense yet. I know, and it's, and it's taking forever. By the way, yeah. there is a documentary, the Murdoch Murders documentary on Netflix. Have any of you guys watched it yet? I haven't seen that one. I've, I've just seen the HBO one. Okay, it just dropped like two Did days I... ago. Oh, so you... interesting. 
I wonder what their info is. All right. Thank you for calling. I appreciate it very much. Thank you, Midnight Radio. Thank you. Hey, shout out to my Fruit Loops. Shout out. Happy Friday. Is it Friday, everybody? Oh, it's Fruit Loop Friday. Yep. How about that? <laughs> right. All right. Thank Good you. night. Good night. Okay. I'd like to thank Hot Ham Radio for calling in. I'd like to thank Susan for not calling in. Oh, 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 you didn't expect that one. You're going to get that a minute and 30 seconds later because of the delay. Boom. 20 seconds. But defense attorney Philip Barber pointed out there's a chance that Murdoch could have quickly sensed something was very wrong. If the person getting out of the car had seen the bodies already and already knew something was horribly wrong. Do you believe that that is an unreasonably short period of time to inspect and call 911? The prosecution wrapped up its case by showing the jury this text message Paul sent to his dad a couple weeks before the murders. It says, I am still in EB because when you get here, we need to talk. Mom found several bags of pills in your computer bag. They also showed Google searches from Maggie Murdoch from that same day before ending with photos of the family. And Brooke, now that the state has rested, the defense has started calling witnesses. Yeah, Riley, they first called Richard Harvey. He's the county coroner. He testified today that Maggie and Paul could have died anywhere between 8 and 10 p.m. 9 o'clock was just a rough estimate. The defense also called up Shalane Tyndall. She is the former spokesperson for the Colleton County Sheriff's Office. They really grilled her on why law enforcement released a statement saying there was no threat to the public after the murders of Maggie and Paul. Riley. All right, Brooke, thanks so much for that report. Thank you. What the hell? There's a picture of a dog up there. Where did that come from? Oh, it was the next story. The Mentos gum bottle. No, Mentos. Stop it. Stop it. All right, everybody. I'd like to thank all of our callers that called in. I'd like to thank everybody that helps support us in the show. Thank you guys very much. Uh, Thank you guys for tuning in live. I'm going to have to put it over to members only now if you're a member. If you want to know what all you get with membership, you can click the join button and it will tell you. You have free access. It's not free because you're a member, but you have access to our Discord. You have stream shows. You can watch all the shows in one setting instead of having it lopped off to separate videos now. So thank YouTube for that. I won't talk about YouTube or complain about them again. It's a little thing. It's just, you know, it's one of those little things we have to get used to get used to this too boom if you want to call during the week leave me a voicemail message phone number 325-261-0892 325-261-0892 we're down to two lives a week i will let you know when those are on the community page so if you haven't please go ahead and subscribe hit the all notifications button so you can join in the conversation here at midnight radio thank you all very much i will see you when we next meet again until then all my best